Open loops. Do, do. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open loops. Influencer and influenza have the same etymology. Maybe there's a reason both are plagues on the world. Your unconscious mind doesn't need to think about that though. It doesn't need to think at all. It's out and ready to play. It's favorite late night talk show for the shamelessly fringe. You're listening to Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Conversations that bend. What is going on, everybody? Hello. Hello. It's Greg Bornstein here, your consciousness disruptor, your cultural hypnotist, your curator of experience, and you put it all together and what comes out? An Easter egg. Nah, we ain't denominational, but a weird multicolored egg? Kind of looks similar to what I imagine a loop might. I'm stretching the metaphor here. I don't want to eat marshmallow rabbits. I just want to pull live ones out of hats. Hey everybody, such a pleasure to have you. Uh, and, and actually you, who's listening to this, the one person with the, with the headphones on the, the AirPods or whatever it is, uh, you in particular, I'm glad you're here. Yes, this, of course, is a show all about those topics you're not supposed to talk about. Uh, conspiracies and the supernatural and the esoteric and uh, the psychoanalytical, the philosophical, the abstract... Overall, anything metaphysical, anything that is taboo, that's countercultural, mysterious, hypnotic, magical, basically stuff that doesn't pay the bills, but when you're done doing all the work it took to get to the place where you feel like your bills are paid, then you get to this place, and life starts to take on new meaning. Yes. You see... 
My job is to challenge your existing belief systems by sharing radically unique ideas designed to stimulate your unconscious mind and allow you to step into the highest version of yourself. And it requires a real conscious deconstruction of everything you hold dear and true to your heart. That is, well, okay. So if I were to tell you I'm going to have a space alien on my show and interview them, you're immediately going to go, uh, crazy. Is Greg crazy? Is Greg a fraudster? Is Greg interviewing somebody that that is crazy and a fraudster? And I'm going to tell you right now that that's not entertaining enough for me. I don't have someone on that's just talking sci-fi nonsense. I'm going to talk to somebody that, in my assessment of the situation, I believe believes what they say they believe. You get me? Yes, Mark Brinkerhoff, somebody that I met at uh, the, the book—I met a lot of great guests at this book premiere in New York City, this, this launch event for Alan Steinfeld's preparing— for the new realities of uh, extraterrestrial existence. Um, really uh, making contact, preparing for the new realities of extraterrestrial existence. Really, a, a, again, a great book. And, and Mark Brinkerhoff has been around the scene for a long time. He isn't just one of these uh, trendy, new, I'm a starseed, blah, 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 like, and in and again, I I don't want to. I'm not here to interview like the newest hot star seed in town, um, you know. Otherwise, I'd already have moved to Los Angeles and <laughs> talked to everybody that isn't succeeding as a model or an actor, and you know wants to still get attention. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm talking to somebody who's been around the scene. I mean, Mark Brinkeroff has, uh, well. He's an ET contactee, a lucid remote viewer of his ET family. Um, he knew Ingo Swan. Ingo Swan had, well, and knew things about Mark that, without saying anything. Uh, I mean, M Mark has, wow. I mean, his crew resides um, on the highest 8th through 12th plus planes of consciousness. I mean, we're talking about uh ships hovering over areas of the earth uh, this whole galactic federation you've heard about uh marks a part of it uh i mean the, the nature of consciousness itself the ability to take as many ufo pictures as he's able to take um being a clear channel being able to soul travel being a mystic artist being able to say these things about the universe without blinking an eye because he is an experiencer through and through um he is a conscious walk-in and I know I threw a bunch at you, but it's because a lot was thrown at me, and a lot's going to be thrown at you in this episode. I mean, Mark, because he speaks in so many different levels of reality and existence, uh, his wife often accompanies him on interviews and, and even brings order 
and invalidates a lot of the experiences Phyllis. Uh, both of them are awesome. I love Phyllis and Mark Brinkerhoff. And while Mark was, you know, the main person I was talking to, Phyllis almost acts as a as a translator of this higher uh, this higher level of consciousness. Uh, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, a contactee that didn't have to awaken that was born knowing he wasn't from here that uh has memories of of times before him and really vivid memories uh i mean has teleported has uh, there's just so much here so much and <laughs> there's no way he's a one-time guest he's gonna come on again he has to um and this is only part one of this interview, just because I want you to take it all in, and um, I, I just really enjoyed. I mean, also he's like a New Yorker through and through. Like, I mean, it, at the very least, I love that. You know, even though he's an extraterrestrial being, they decided to put his spirit into uh, the form of a true New Yorker, a true guy that that knows how to get schmear, uh, and and very much. Uh, well, would be bothered if you're walking too slow, but maybe not because he's got a heart that's uh, infinitely open with possibilities. I mean, that that is the cool thing about Mark. He is so loving and caring. You know what? Maybe that's what makes him so extraterrestrial. He's the nicest New Yorker I've ever met. That's a pretty weird sign. Lived here a long time. Uh, yes, Mark Brinkeroff and Phyllis are on the show. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited to share this with you. Such a yeah, my uncle, my uncle Max said, Greg, let me know when you have an alien on your show. Let me know when you interview an ET. And then I met this guy live and he started telling me stories and I said, I think I found someone. It is hard for me to explain away Mark's experiences. There's just so much going on here. I don't know. I'm curious what you think. Hit me up at the Greg Bornstein on Instagram and send me your thoughts. I always love hearing from you. Love knowing if uh, you think it's real, you think it's not real. And if you enjoy this podcast, make sure to go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash open loops so we can get this kind of content out there because I want to meet our uh, galactic overlords. They seem like nice people, by the way. They do. Yes, ratethispodcast.com forward slash open loops. All right. Ready to learn about Lucid Remote Viewer Mark Brinkeroff? I'm excited for you. This was a great one. Enjoy. Today on Open Loops, we have Mark and Phyllis Brinkeroff, a married couple and and really uh well mark has he's already told me some amazing stories and and i i, I met mark at uh the book premiere uh the new york city book launch for alan steinfeld's book making contact uh and he was introduced you were introduced as uh his favorite martian um and <laughs> which i loved and and what he said was yes this is someone who is he is he's an extraterrestrial and you're sitting there going okay this guy seems like a very fascinating new yorker um but these stories are 
very just uh, truly uh, un- unbelievable. Yeah. I was going to say out, out of, of this world. world, but I didn't want to say the pun. Uh, yes, I mean, it's, uh, it's out of this world. And then the best part was you kept talking to me after, you know, that Alan was done. We were going around. People were getting books signed, whatnot. And I went over to you. I said, look, Mark, we got to talk. I, I, I want to have you on my show, all this stuff. And you just had story after story that uh, really blew my mind. I had to know more. Um, so happy to have you. Happy to have Phyllis here. Uh, thank you both for coming on. Phyllis, Phyllis will be a hand today. Yeah, she is not on camera, but we are honored uh, to be here. Rick. We are honored to be here with you, Rick. Yes. So, you know, we, before we we really rolled into this, I I asked you how you would describe yourself, and it was an extraterrestrial soul in a human form. Uh, tell me this. Here's what I'm curious about. Usually, I mean. I don't know what what is the story we hear now that people have a remembering right people people uh they always feel they might feel a little different but then all of a sudden one day they might have some something that triggers a memory of not being from this planet um what was it like for you growing up i mean did you always know you weren't from here what what exactly uh did you know that you were different than the other human beings mark oh i'm I'm what they call an earth of walk-in i came in with consciousness before i uh, from before where i come from from space and took over a body that was to be stillborn birth so basically we coined a new word word for mark he's a Conscious, conscious walk-in. walk-in because oh. i have met, met i've met some walk-ins now recently yes on zooms and everything but um i'm still not meeting a walk-in that uh i hate the word walk-in too because we don't call it that when we do this when we come in but yeah it, it's like uh i haven't met somebody that remembers where and where and what they did and who where they're really from that I get these people who remember, well, I'm not from here, kind of, and, but they can't get all the information of where they're from and all that other information. To me, that's like your uh, history or like, you know, when you had, if you had a vacation a year ago, you might work six months ago, you still have the memory of that vacation that was so fun or whatever. For me, it's beyond that. It's, I, I remember all the way back and before i remember birth i remember everything being in an incubator telepathically talking to everybody having uh, watching how they would respond to the telepathy like your parents so even though your baby voice might be crying and doing something else telepathy was telling them uh I, i'm thirsty you know i was saying things like that so i knew we could communicate and that's why the mothers and the fathers have that connection to the babies if, especially when they love them and want them you know there are people who don't have a connection to their children. Yeah. But the thing is, that's what it's like. And um, the mothers have an intuition with the child and the father too. If a, if a mother's not there and a father's raising a baby or a child, that the intuition is there, same as the mother. It's very strong with the parents. So I also remember how babies hear, can hear clearly 100% in the, as a little baby and how your ears open up. Well, but wait and a everything later um, to hear clearer. I have to jump in and say that you, um, the 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 thing that's that makes Mark unique <laughs> is that when he was coming into to take over that little uh, body that where the other spirit left, 
he he was an adult consciousness and so he sort of always was an adult consciousness in this little body uh, even though it wasn't always like it, it wasn't he wasn't behaving exactly like who he was so basically he was he was always remote viewing his own existence on the higher planes of consciousness which i really don't think people today do they don't even understand the word that we also coined called loose lucid remote viewing yeah i wanted to know what that was what, what is that exactly lucid remote viewing is what mark does every day of his life so that's what we call it because we can't explain it because um, he's just talking to him himself on a higher level of consciousness so he's literally uh, seeing through the eyes of his own oversoul into realms uh, which are just absolutely astonishing and, and, and anybody would want to participate in if they, if they actually knew how we had a little mock-up incredible it was idea um, but he's been doing that for his entire life before he came in and so when he was born, he was not veiled at all. You know, some we all kind of we're all born with the veil, the veil mm -hmm. of knowledge. They you don't... block certain things from the soul to remember. Yeah, uh, I know how it's done. I know what they do. And before I came in, I went to three different councils with my crew and friends. And there's a different councils. I know there's people that say, oh, this is this and that. There's a council in, on Venus around the planet, inside the planet, there, around the outside the planet. There's a council on Saturn. There's a council, a galactic council outside the solar system that people don't talk about because they probably don't know about it. But the thing is, I, we went to all these different councils where Sananda uh, is in charge of many of this, all these things that happen. Sananda is the aspect of the creator that we know. And I'll say that he is no, the one known as we call the sun or what the sun is. So at, Sananda, the being known as Sananda, is not a fallen angel, it's not a demon. It means son of love, Sananda. But he is also the same being, the same creator, is the only creator, came in to be walking the planet Earth as Yehoshua 2000 plus years ago. So it's the same person, but beyond. And we have drawings I made of him to show the people that on higher realms, higher dimensional planes of space, not just around planet Earth, he's not seen as Sananda around the planet Earth. He has seen above the 10th planes and ninth planes as Sananda. That's how he appears. He's very androgynous looking. Yeah. As a blonde being with a, a tan. I made lighter skin here because he's seen many different forms. He's even seen as gold. I've seen him as golden, uh, with golden eyes and the holy spirit version of the way the crew creator looks the creator is one being one huge energy being totally conscious of everything conscious life light everything it's all conscious not a hologram not a hologram yeah. yeah and then you got the sun which is a the way the creator projects itself to communicate to the children us the angels all of us children and souls and angelics everything in life projects to us as sananda yet the creator as father, mother, father, or whatever, can project too on the ships and come through to us also if it wants to, and it has in the past. So the creator looks as one being, as an infinite androgynous creator being, if it's gonna manifest to us. So it comes to us as Sananda, who comes in a masculine form, but has this androgynous feel with it, him. And we, uh, so we, we know uh, he does look androgynous, 
but wow, you don't want to, you feel the power of this infinite creator right there with him. Then he comes through as this being, we, we, the other aspect we call her, Sananda says, the Holy Spirit. That's a real, actual, another projection of the creator. So you have a creator and three types of personalities, even though it's one being. It comes through to these different dimensional spaces. And no one's ever known this, and we never talked about it, but we've been recently feeling, Stan has been telling me to start explaining it better, because when I met him physically here in the house, he actually came here uh, back in 1997. Uh, he came through as a teenager to me and physically appeared in our room. So we talked with, I talked with him. So I, he said, I asked him, what do you want me to do? What is it more in this mission I'm supposed to do? Because I was doing artwork. And I, he said, do what you do and say what you say. So I said, okay, do what I do here. Say what I say here or do what I do here and there and say what I say here, there. And he said, all of it. So now he telepathically told me everything. There's not enough time left. That's what he said. So it's not enough time for the children to come home if they don't get it together. Mm. And so um, when we say that, we mean people, a lot of people are going to be recycling back to the same old first level of consciousness, like which we're on now. And they're not going to get to the higher planes where they can stay, which is what everybody talks about. Buddha, I mean, all, all the, the great sages talked about it. This is my first time in a physical dense body like this, in this physical realm, this dense realm. I've been on the other realms. Yeah. But not physically born here on a dense level. And we've come through being a theory and come through walk on these levels here in this physical density, just like here. But this is the first time I've been born into the density. So now, because I've come in and took over somebody else's body that left, but th that, and then the baby died that's in my mother's womb. Remember, you didn't... He didn't take it over before the spirit left. No, spirit left. And then the, the baby was dead in the, my mother's tummy. And it was eight mm. months. And that's when I was watching with my angel, the guardian angel, and high highway in the sky above the hospital. But you see it like you're above about 25 feet up or 50 feet up, something like that. You see it. And uh, she says to me, do you want to try this one? So that was the one I went down to check the, my, the mother. And um, the angel was there that is the veiling angel. She was there. Now with the councils, I was telling before I didn't get into it, we had to go through a whole bunch of councils to get here. And because I've not been here born or anything before, I don't have a karma here. I don't have karma in this physical realms because I come from a different realm. But he, I said, uh, they said, who, who can come in? So it was me as well as I was coming in to rescue or save my, my soulmate. But I won't say rescue. What was the word we like to say? Well, bring me home. Bring your home. Get bring me, home. get me off of that incarnational um, cycle. The, right, right, over, right. The oversouls we call also true self, original selves, um, push aspects off of them, energy self. So the same way Yehoshua or an angel like Archangel Mike Mikiel can be in many places on the planet Earth at once, because there is only now. So as Yehoshua can do too, anywhere it wants to be. Creator can be anywhere it wants to be. So that's Sananda. But as over parts, we can project on the oversoul level aspected aspects of ourselves, which is to make like almost children, but not children. So the people that are on earth now, like you here too, you'd be an aspect of your over part 
or an higher self is working on different frequencies here on different planes in the heaven realms, maybe probably around the ships right above earth too. So the higher self connects with the soul's aspect here on the earth because it's all you, yourself and your higher self might be what you would consider a future self. If you met him, he might look like a space person. Usually with the people I'm dealing with, that's what's going on. But, but uh, this, this is what it, the way it happens. As yeah. an oversoul, I am a higher self aspect here right now. Here, so are you saying self. that everybody here on this planet for the most part? Because I've also, I mean, I'm curious. And, and again, there's so many different directions we could go here. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here going, wait, there's. I know, there, I went off track. I'm sorry. I went there's off beings on in, Venus. I mean, they're, uh, well, I mean, uh, when, when we talk about Venus and Saturn, l let me start with this. Venus, Saturn, um, and you also mentioned the, the council that's somewhere out in the universe that we don't even know about. Uh, galactic councils that are, they're like um, interplanetary. Right. They're intergalactic as well. So they're inter, intergalactic, meaning they're in between the galaxies. So they're in deep space. Yeah. And they're monitoring within the galaxies here, this galaxy, Andromeda, let's say in those. So they will monitor also with Sananda what's going on and who's coming into different areas. They know we're here and they know our crews are here in the solar system. You might want to show. Oh. We, we, talk, we do a lot of teaching on the planes of consciousness. And so the, the ones that are around the planet, there's seven of them because they kind of correspond to chakras. Sort right. of in a way. And, but there's, the there's many more after that. So the ones above the sevens become celestial. Yeah. I learned everything I know, I know from Mark. So now you're into cosmic frequencies, which is where right. Mark's coming from. And well, which is well this I'm is what I was from. wondering, Phyllis, about yeah, yeah, the idea. idea. Oh, That's my idea. gosh. The seven planes of the world. You, when you see this, do you read it forward speech for you? Is I can see it. I can it see it. It's forward, actually, for me. <laughs> It's okay for you because it's, it's reverse for me. That's okay. Yeah, that's so, good. So he sees the uh, point to the, do you see the dark circle around the earth? That yeah, circle? yeah, yeah. That's the lower astral that's plane. That's the low plane. That's the what we would consider all of us as a kind of hellish realm. And then how it interacts with the physical earth here. So this is the realm they're cast to. And it interferes with it, us. Interfer oh, it interferes with us getting to these higher planes and staying there because there's so much interference coming in from uh, lower frequency beings who that's where they they gain power from from uh, taking our power away by keeping us coming incarnating back to this planet or any other planet. It's not just it's not just Earth. Right. I have an upside down. Sorry, did I do that upside down? So no, Mark, you did it. It was good. It was good. So Mark's coming from the free the, the planes of consciousness outside out here. of the Hold one on that here. you're looking, the last one that you're seeing around the earth, just if you, to try to give you a um we have way over 12. I've been speaking 12 dimensional plane. We're actually planes levels since I was probably in the fifth or sixth grade. So it's back 1960s. But I was telling people back then, kids I knew, I was saying, Yeah, do you go to those other planes? And they didn't know what I was talking about. So I, when I learned about the seven planes from other people that were doing uh, yoga or things like that, they were talking about different teachings and they talked about the seven dimensional planes. I started looking into that from the paperwork that they might've shown me. And I saw the, remember how they have a person there with an aura 
or a body, but spiritual also, bodies going around but it. But within each plane are many, many, yeah. many, 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 many. Planes. This is our little synopsis of how best to say it, because it's hard to explain it. Um, right. Okay. If this is first plane, this is the first plane, let's say. Within it are many frequencies or dimensional planes, dimensional spaces. They're not planes. They're dimensional spaces, which is where Ethereum life is too. At the and higher. At up the here. Higher. Lower, lower plane is lower astral negative beings, you know, whatever they're doing, satanic creatures as well. And then this is the first density, the first plane. But that is, that's where they're located. That isn't how many there are. There's far more. Oh, than no, that. it's just an idea just to give of leveling visual. frequencies to show inside this whole plane are many frequencies of higher frequencies and the higher and higher and higher and lower, lower, lower. Yeah. So when people say we're moving into, you've heard this before 20 years now or so, we're moving into a fourth density or a fourth dimension. Now they're yeah. trying to say we're moving into a fifth dimension. And I yes. just always want to say, uh, really? Because that's it's, not how it works. It's not. It's not how it works. It's not one of these. It's somewhere in there. <laughs> the one I just we just showed. It's a dimension um, within the first dimension of Earth. Yeah. But they don't know that. If you're going into a fourth, fifth, and sixth dimensional space, you're within the first plane here. If you're going to the fourth plane, sixth plane, you're heaven, you're in the heaven realm now. So to get there, you're not physical anymore. You're dead or physical body is gone. You're in your other body now. You're in a, a glorified body form, which is what these forms are that we have in space. These are called, we would call them glorified body form. You take on the form that fits you, that you resonate with as a form. And it could be something you, a being you've been in a past time in another galaxy. So I've seen cat people. And there's different people that are out there and they're taking on different oh forms for fun. But let's slow down. It's for fun. But let's too. slow down. So are, are you beginning to see that this is not your regular UFO story? Uh, um, am I beginning to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, 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 this is, I mean, this is very interesting. And um, it's just because mm, <laughs> the closest thing I can... Think of you wouldn't it. even be talking to to Mark if he didn't have all those UFO photos that he's taken. If you go to his site, he's taken countless UFO photos and really yes. quite spectacular. Really, yeah. yeah I'm gonna we're gonna, gonna link everybody to that because it is there are some remarkable pictures here. Um, we also have some from the 70s that were the first ones. Been Mufon checked me out in 1977, a long time ago, with an investigator that became a friend who's now passed on i assume he's been long i was yeah. 20 and he was 40 when i met him so like, i haven't heard from him so long. it sounds but, as uh, if your story is different than some other um than than many other contactees i mean the thing that's interesting about this field in general is that um and and i've heard this said multiple ways um but i i think uh clarence mitchell is the one I've had him on the show before. He's the one that told me he, he I first heard him put it well. It's that everybody's got a piece of the puzzle and uh, there's never a complete picture. But what I'm wondering is this, Mark, um, have you ever met anybody? Are there people out there that are making even close to similar kind of claims as you? that you could say, oh, yeah, I've seen this person on this plane before, or uh, it, it, what? It, what it, in terms of corroborating evidence 
that your experiences are a thing. Um, is there anybody else out there? I can't say that I've met someone who's done what I've done or been on the ships where I've been because I come from a high plane. Um, most people are coming in either incarnating or um, the, the walk-ins I've met, which are only a few now, um, have had past life on planet Earth. And so they came in to help again, but they do claim and feel they're not from Earth, they're, they're from space. Some of the walk, especially a few of them, I, I know in space, but I won't say I know them on the high plane where I come from. I know them from working around the ships here with the Alliance crews and different ones. So they, I feel that a lot of them are working on these ships that we see around our galaxy or the solar system. So these are people I've, I, I came in with a mission that I, I was given as a, to help. I, I know I'm not like anyone else here. And um, even the, my crew and Sananda they said, I'm for the few and not the many. And then recently they said, well, you're, you're for the very few <laughs> and not the, the many, because very few people hear what I'm saying and understand or try to understand it, but then they actually get experiences um, with me on the ship or come out, then they know, but they, um, they get convictions inside, is that the word for it, uh, that the truth is the truth. And, and what I'm telling them about something that they've, I'm telling you, we know, I know information that the Bible doesn't have. I got information from Sananda Yehoshua since I was a kid when I was out of body with him that the Bible does not have. He says it was taken out. It was taken out. So I understood something happened until I got older. Um, then I realized there was that councils of Nancy and other things that happened. So they took information out. Like reincarnation. And, yeah, reincarnation they took out on purpose, I think. But to, before you go there, so they um, can control. I wanted to, to answer the question that he initially asked. Is there any other co collaboration, corroboration? Uh, and really, you could say Ingle Swan yes. was a corroboration the day mm. that he Yes, Ingo Swan, my buddy. Um, he's yeah. Talk about Ingo. I, I've talked a little bit about remote viewing on this show and people who have uh, a history of remote viewing, but uh, I, I'd love to hear your experiences. Um, when I met Ingo, I've only well, <laughs> I know Ingo from before, and I know him. And when I first saw an article in a magazine, which I still own somewhere, but it, it, when he gave a talk or something in the magazine. The cover was him on a science magazine, I think it was. And I showed my dad way up Manpac, New York. This is back in 1974, maybe five. And I showed him a picture and I said, see this guy? And I said, I know him, he's in space. And he does what I do. And he's painting the paintings that are, I understand, but don't make sense. If you're a physical person looking at them, his artwork doesn't make sense. If you see the beautiful art from space, but he has lines, he has different things, he has coordinates, he sometimes has things that look like bullseye effects. And it's what you might see from a spaceship when you're traveling into space, they will have different things set up. There are lines in space that we travel. People wanna say, oh, it's a ley line. It's beyond that, it's a frequency line. So we travel on some of them. And so you might see these patterns on a screen if you're looking at a screen to look out to where you're traveling in space. So things that Ingo painted, lines and doing these dimensional things are things that we see in the, on our screen effects when we're monitoring where we're heading or what we're doing. And then we go and then you see the beautiful panoramic view of space where we're going or the nebulas and traveling through them and things like that. So I understood his painting, but I don't think my wife at the time seeing Ingo's painting would understand no, what he was painting. It just looked modern-y and 
spacey and yet yeah line going through space into distance he had lots of things but I, I understood what he was seeing and so i told my father i said he sees what i've seen on the ships he's seeing the, the patterns that are there that you don't see in space you don't see these lines that he drew so when i when i i my soul i told my father at that time and someday i'm going to meet him and he says really you've said that so many different times and it always comes true later on i said yeah but i know i'll meet him someday i don't know when i don't know where they'll guide it they'll arrange it it's okay i met betty hill the same way back in 76 so um yeah that that um so many stories. I know this is. I know you, you're. You're going to have to be a recurring guest. There's no way we're going to get to all of this. But okay. Oh, no, um, well, I think the Ingle, stuff. <laughs> you're right, Greg. The the Ingle story is fascinating, though, because <laughs> we were yeah. we were put together by uh, we, yeah we were brought together a by mutual a friend, friend who thought and, we should meet. Yeah, we had two friends who wanted us to meet, and um, one set up a quick quick party one day in 1993 or four, and uh, uh, we came in and and Ingo was there. And I had that time, at that time I had a portfolio like a, a, a binder about that thick, uh, a binder with photographs in it and some artwork pictures, but most you know, mostly photos of UFOs and things. And so I had I carried that around in a bag. Taken with non-digital camera. Those are the yeah super eight super eights yeah. and everything. So I brought that with me, and um, Ingo was sitting on a chair, like a dining chair, dining room chair. He just sitting there was a little tea or something no he had water and i said do you want me you want to get some tea you want me to get some tea for you he said, oh that would be lovely thank you so i left him my notebook thing on his lap and i said i'll come back and i'll go through it with you detail what's happening in the pictures what's going on blah blah blah, blah. so i go to the kitchen to get some tea made and i was in there with the hostess and i come out with the tea and ingo is closing the book on his lap and i went oh you went through the book i thought we go together I could pull up the chair with you, you know. So now I'm sitting knee to knee with him in a chair. And he has the notebook on his, uh, um, what do you call it? The notebook thing on his lap, closed. And he's smiling with his Ingo smile of like, <laughs> he has a smile he would always have. And um, I said, oh, so you went through it. He says, oh, yes. I said, I was going to talk to you about some of the pictures. Oh, that's okay, sweetheart. I know what they are. And he, that, that's kind of Ingo. So. Yeah. I, he says, oh, this is the part to get you. I have a cup of tea. He has a cup of tea. And he's just sitting with my notebook on his lap. And he's going, so must have been very difficult for you to compress all that energy where you come from on those higher planes to compress it into that little tiny baby inside your mother's stomach. Oh, my gosh. You, know you saw that? He saw it. No one knows it. Phyllis was the only one who knew that compressed from a higher frequency. I felt compressed in, I had compressed down to connect after that soul had left. Cause he said, after the other soul left, he says, you're a walk-in. I said, yeah, no one knows that. <laughs> but Phyllis. And so he's telling me what I did. Wow. So then he's, he's smirking and he's so funny the way he talks with you and he knows he's got you with the information. He sits there like, <laughs> so I, yeah. I said, yeah, you're right. He says, so also Mark, did you ever feel very claustrophobic in this life now since that time and that moment? And I actually said, oh my gosh, Ingo, you're right. Exactly that moment. Because something happened to me in the 70s with some friends and they um, playfully, they had these trunks at the end of the bed, these big empty trunks that you put clothing in at the end of a bed. 
and they were all going into the tr trunk and hanging in it and laughing and lifting it up and closing it. Well, they said, you go in it, Mark, you go in. And I didn't think anything about it. So I go in the thing and I'm, I'm in there. It's like, well, it's a little tight. It's a little tight. And I'm small, but I'm still tight. So I said, yeah, okay, okay. And I pushed on it and they, I couldn't lift it up. And they were laughing and they were sitting on it. Well, suddenly the whole thing of me coming in came back strongly visually again. I relived it intensely of the claustrophobia I felt as it connected into the body. So suddenly now I was in almost a panic inside this thing, close to tight like it is. Wow. And I said, you got to get off, you got to get off this. Don't, don't do this now. You, you don't understand what, what's happening. I'm having a, a flashback and it's really heavy duty and I'm begging them to get off. And they finally got off and I came out. I, they told me, Mark, I came out and it was pure white. I was so white that I was freaked and I explained as best I could, but I couldn't tell them the truth at that time. They didn't know about that or UFOs. But I said, something happened and it brought me a flashback that was so powerful. Uh, I don't want to relive it again, ever. But going back but to that's, Ingo. That's what Ingo meant. He saw that. He said, uh huh. But then he also saw. Oh, then he also saw, besides me being um, from space or where I'm coming from and uh, how tall we are out there in space, he, oh, what was the other thing he did? When he saw the um, picture of Sarah. Oh, right. Um, I said, so Ingo. Um, that's right. Thank you. He said, I see, I, I know you're not you. And you're your higher over part in there. And I said, you see me in here. Not this person. You see me in here? And he goes, oh, sweetheart. And he flips the page of the notebook open to the portrait of my over part. He says, I see you, that's you right there, you're looking at me. And I said, Ingo, you're the only one who's ever seen it. No one's ever seen it. Unless you're out of body wow. with me, then you'll see me. So that is what Ingo was the first psychic ever. He's a super psychic. He was not a he was beyond psychic of this planet, really. But he knew and he could see things. Like he he knew things about people. They had no idea what they knew. Um that that was true. Thanks, Phyllis, for reminding me the way he did that. I, I and actually told the story too many times, but I always forget. We, we became parts. very close with him, and we worked on books with him, where Mark would proof, uh, would do final proofs after everybody else had proofed it, and it was yeah. supposed to be good. Mark would take it, and he would find I mistakes. I speed read through things, and, 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 and it would always things. amaze. And he goes, "How did you do that?" Amazing. Three proofreaders. I think Ingle was a triple Virgo, but I'm not sure. And he asked me to work with him on uh, replicating his very precise pencil drawings. So I would scan them and then I would I would recreate them in Quark Express because he would download these incredible um, visuals yeah. to try to express what he was talking about in his books. And so I did that work for him. Um, and so whenever he needed anything like that, he would... Uh, I think the past, maybe the last four books that he mm. did, uh, yeah. he, he would engage me. He didn't want to put our names in the book to protect us from the military. Like the and then we said, it's power. okay. We've had the military over right. the house of in New York, 1970s, um, circling our house with black helicopters hovering. They knew what I was up to. Uh, they were listening to our phone conversations upstate. They, you know, we didn't even have conference calling. You'd hear them on the line clicking in. So this was happening when my first UFOs were being taken. But also UFOs have visited me since I was 
uh, up there and 40 and a half years old, UFOs were visiting me all the time and I would be out of body and, or just walking on the field over my house, they appear. So my first physical encounter with my own friends and crew was in 1958 in a school field near my house. And I snuck out of the house. I was supposed to be asleep. I was called. I could feel it. Come to the field. Come here. We're home. You know, things like that. The feeling was there. My first sighting was um, a daytime sighting at three o'clock in the afternoon up by the school where I lived near. I was going to a friend's house and I wasn't supposed to be up there at that time, but I was running. And uh, over the football field, I saw a flash of light, like a reflection. And I stopped to look because I felt something hit me telepathically. So I stopped and looking at the flash and all of a sudden there was a beautiful, perfect sphere of metallic silver, like a mirror. It was beautiful. And it came slowly towards uh, opposite me in the field. I was in the road and I had to go to a field. So I was in the field, the football field was above the road, but I'm in the road, I'm heading to a friend's house. Meanwhile, school buses are parked, ready to go and leave at around three o'clock. So I was trying to run up before they moved. And the sphere moved opposite, stood up, floated opposite me, very low. I estimate uh, 30 feet over trees, roughly. It was low. And the ship itself must have been at least 20, 25 feet diameter or 30. It was huge, but perfectly beautiful. So I'm yeah. looking at it telepathically. I'm hearing what's happening, who's in there, my and hello. And I said, you got to take me out of here. You got to take me home. <laughs> I was always saying that to the ships, but I felt so much love. I started to cry because it was so much love, the blissful love that came from them. And they said, we're always with you. Don't worry. Don't worry. And then I heard the horns honk for the buses. And I, I ran to the next road. I just started running to get to another road to leave. And the ship was there already in opposite still there already and it shot up into the sky very quickly and disappeared so i got out of the way the buses where i wasn't in the way of buses i was at my friend's house but that was the first time and um but i already have been going out of body onto the ships so i wasn't yeah familiar with this the songs this is a, called the ship as a sphere in space we call the sun s-o-h-n that's the best way of spelling it to me uh to say it so and funny, in the biblical time, uh, it, we would be called the sons of God. So interesting, right? It's mm. not sons. It was a different thing. But we are the signs in the sky, the ships and the crews, yeah. and the ones who are here to help, all the different ones throughout time. And many are here, probably from other, were here back then, are here from another, even another galaxy are coming towards the earth again to help if they can in these alliances. One thing that happened with me and Ingo that day that made it... Um, for me and Phyllis and I to be very close with him. It was like, that was the day that it happened. The day we met Ingo was the day we were family again, because he was family for us in past time in the galaxy. Ingo was like our dad. So we felt that feeling for him. And um, we would nickname him the captain and things like that. But that day that we met, um, I said, you have, have you been to the moon? And he says, yes. <clears throat> I said, did you, I'm wondering what you saw. He says, well, what did you see? So I didn't, I didn't know Ingo's total story of the moon yet you know, until I saw some of the information. I knew he had viewed the moon but, and saw the other side of the moon, but I didn't know all the things he saw yet until we got to know him better. 
Yeah. So I said, well, I saw I was there as a, probably five years old, 1958. Remember, when I'm out of body, I'm in my other form. So even as a kid on physical earth, walking around as a little five or four-year-old, I'm in the body as this birth, this being here. I am an adult frequency. So it was very hard for me to communicate. I knew I had a weight that no one would listen to this little kid talking. I knew if I said things, they wouldn't hear me and listen to me. And I had to pretend I was playing with things and pretend I was doing playing games with other kids. Just to so you always felt it. like you were an actor in a way that yeah. you were playing a role. Yeah. Yeah. And because and I knew things that the kids didn't know. I was puzzled why they didn't know what I knew out of body. I thought everybody's going out. Everybody's going to the ship. We called it home. That's the name we gave it home because that's our home. Do you now, have any siblings, Mark? Any siblings? Any? Yeah, I have an older brother, but he's not understanding of this. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, did you, growing up, were there any memories in the family where you started talking at a dinner table and everybody went, what the heck is wrong with this? I mean, uh, I would think back then, too, that they would really seriously consider, uh, you know, having you go to an institution or something growing up, uh, talking like that. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> I was great. I was born in Yonkers, which made it a building, you know, a high-rise building. I remember it as a little child. Oh, I remember everything. I remember being in the crib and all that and learning everything. But um, I would look out the window and see the, the sky and just wish to go back, to come back or go back home. And I found out from my dad as I got a little older that he had seen UFOs. But I knew my father from a past time in space, another long time ago. That's the only reason I connected with him. Um, so he was fascinated by space. He was a mathematical genius, born that way. I was just born with art ability, not the math. But on the other side, I have math like that. And I, it was frustrating here for me. So I, I wanted to tell you what happened with Ingo, too. <clears throat> and I'll tell you the next part. With Ingo, I said, did you go to the moon? He said, yes. And I said, what, do you, what did you see? So I said, I was out of body there as a five, at about five years old, 1958. And I went into the moon. Of course, I'm not a five-year-old in the moon i'm the other part person so right, i went to the moon right. i was in there and i was seeing all the things they were doing it's very scientific inside some of the places i went but i've been there before from space from other times the moon is a satellite but not like you think it's a spaceship and it was brought here uh, a long time ago way back to help with the balancing of the solar system after the giant planet blew up which we know today we call it maldek there was one between Jupiter and Mars. It's an astro belt. When that exploded by the beings who were on it, they, uh, they had some kind of war. They did something. They exploded the planet, blew up. This is what they won't let this happen again, the beings. But it was a big planet. So when that one blew up and broke apart, it off-balanced our solar system. And the solar systems are all balanced. And so what they do is we have moons and things they bring in or asteroids to become a moon, like in Mars, which are bases inside. Uh, they will bring them into balance off the system again. Our moon that we have, which is very old and um, has was brought in millions and millions and millions and millions of years ago before dinosaurs. So you, you can't, can't get how old this solar system is. But the moon was once a core of an ancient planet system out past our galaxy. They brought it in and because it was the right sizing, plus it's hollow. They made it hollow. So it's a ship. So what they brought it in, it actually has an atmosphere in it on top of it as well. So the thing is, you bring it in, 
inside is the base, but it is a ship. It can, if it wants to leave, it can. But it's made to stay balanced the way it is with the Earth. It is uh, anchored in that way so that it never moves and doesn't rotate. And that was purposely done uh, for the ship that is in there, what's going on with the people as a base. But on the other side, the dark side of the moon, is more action going on. And so you will see uh, domes or things there on the ground and some of their buildings that they've had in ancient times as well, and maybe now modern, they had able to move them up and down if they needed to in and out of the ground, if they needed to disguise it. Because there was stuff happening in these solar systems and different galaxies a long time ago that were dangerous for some of the humanoid type beings there. They look human, but they're not humans. So there were beings that we call the reptilians and those other ones. So they were uh, they would do things to people. I can't go into that, but that's the reason that uh, they have these monitor, these domes and things that could come up out of the moon and bring it back down if they needed to disguise it again. That's why things are inside the craters disguised, and they can shield it too. They can create the whole effect to be shielded that you would think it's a crater and not anything there. They have that right. ability with holographic -y type stuff. We didn't have the word hologram back in 1958, but what I was seeing in the spaceship when I was physically on it were things that would, I told my father were three dimensions, 3D like us, but they weren't real. And I could walk around them, but they were projections. And I had no word for it except 3D real pictures made real. I, there was no way I could tell, tell my father. So I interacted with a baby dinosaur on the ship because I love dinosaurs. So they, uh, they wanted to show me something that's in 1958, physically on board. Even though I was a little five-year-old kid, they carried me around. They were over eight, eight feet and change, some of these guys and girls. And um, they put me on the floor and stood me up there. <clears throat> and I saw different things. I saw the earth from, this, from their monitors, from the windows. It's round. Round planet, not a flat planet. We went I was going to ask. I was going to ask if, uh, yeah, I've recently heard <clears throat> that we're in a dome, that there's a glass enclosure over the Earth. Um, They're going by Bibles, uh, ancient Bible stuff with firmament and all that. But what they don't understand, what Christ knew, is he said there, spheres. He said he says it somewhere in the Bible. Someday I'm going to find where he said that. Uh, besides uh, many mansions in my father's house and all that. There are other things he said and where they got confused about the four corners of the earth in those ancient days when people stood on a hill or whatever they were standing on claiming that's my land out there thousands of thousands of years ago to them all they could see was flatness and to them in their way of thinking four corners <clears throat> north south east west they thought of it in that way that's where the misconstrued thing happens it's okay it's the way it is when, when you're on a planet everything looks flat Right. As soon as you get off planet and further up, you're going to see the whole curvature of it and you're going to see it. But I don't think uh, people are going far enough away to do that. Some of the astronauts can see it, of course, but I don't know who's being paid to say what or if they're finding people who pretend they were astronauts to say what they want to say about flat earth. Well, do you want it's, to it's not... tell, tell him what your uh, the crew said <clears throat> about why they did it, why they, they put forth the... Uh... Oh, originally back years ago, um, I was on Facebook or one of these... Uh, whatever somebody sent me an email a friend of mine talking about flat earth this is a long time ago oh like 2000 gosh when two it was a long time ago and i saw this and i actually wrote back because he knew my story so i said to him are you kidding me i said what is this i said i told you i'm going around the planet earth many times i'm flying in the space we're all around what what are you doing what is this nonsense you're promoting here 
And he was really believing it because he was finding people in another state that they were really official um, people were like saying airport it was true. air force pilots were saying they like what i was right. pilots on the on a plane we we're flying to england 1978 and i talked with no, the stewardesses and they let me on the plane with the pilots they wanted to meet me and i saw the curvature of the earth and way higher right. than england at night um but finish the story because with, that was interesting what the crew said well what the crew said about my friend about the flat earth thing I said, why is this? Why? Who's doing this? Why? So I asked. He wasn't with, ignoring typing anybody. I was just like, what are they doing? Why are they saying this? Suddenly, all of a sudden. And they said, well, the crew, my guys, my, my overpart, oh, I'm way up there. And I do a 3D remote viewing thing. I, I don't know how to say it anymore lucidly. I will be talking here, but I will be here on the ship with them watching through my oversoul's eyes, sort of out of body lucid there at the same time i'm here right. i'm watching everything we're doing walking listening seeing everything so i asked them and they said well the government is putting out information like that um i don't know if it was darpa it was some kind of part of the government something was like that and they were putting out information that will confuse people and bringing back false things like that flat earth stuff to see and watch and monitor on these um websites or whatever on the facebook or websites in general on, on the internet, who will be gullible to believe it? And then we're going to monitor who promotes it. And they will see how they can hoodwink the people. And I didn't, I, I, I was, whoa, that's amazing. Really? That was a long time ago. And uh, I still, to this day, know that's what they're doing. And uh, the people that are falling for it are being targeted as people that will fall for anything which means the false things are going to do in the sky with fake UFOs they're going to create if they want to try to fake war. You know, all that information is what they're right. doing. They're hoping right. these are the people that will promote it, and they'll be the ones jumping on that to promote even that other fake stuff they're going to promote. Agenda. Agendas, yeah, thanks. <laughs> but this is what's going on. The Earth is round. It's also in, There's also a hole at the... Both, ends. Both holes, <laughs> Both. just like any other plants. And that's how they go in and out of some of the climbing stuff. And there's people inside our planet. I wouldn't say they're all great. You know, there's right. nice ones and some that are not. They're they'd rather we not be on this planet. <laughs> no, but, wait, I, I want to get to that. The other thing I want to ask you is, do you believe that we went to the moon in the 60s in the, in the way yeah. they told us? Yeah, we did go there, but I know we've been there before. We, um, but we did, and we also had a friend, I still have a friend, I, sorry, not on the other side yet, but uh, who was part of that information of what went on with the landing of the limb. Uh, but I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that information. Yeah, probably not. But... Um, the you know, limb. He had vision things that ha happened, and he had problems with the computers at that time that couldn't talk to each other like they can today. And they have the spinning computers from the 50s and 60s and all that. So they were trying to figure out a way for them to communicate. And at that time, there was no way to communicate so that they can even get the information to the ships out there by the moon to land the LEM on the moon and et cetera. Whatever what we know from our friend is that there was a vision and he was able to get the information on the mechanicals for it or mathematics for it, and it worked. And so that was the information that was needed to land it on the moon. 
but with that group with that group and the I first mean, that's groups. not talking about other groups there might be hidden groups we are, know you know that went already there and have a base on the side of the moon on the other side there's lots of information that's hidden and what i um phils and i worry about for most of it is who is the groups that they're working with the people on the moon that are physicals like us are not exactly the kind of people that are like you know you want to hang with i guess i'll have to say they're kind of scientific right uh, uh very scientific so those people on the moon would get along with a lot of the people on this planet right now doing a lot of things here so i'm worried about that i don't on the other dimensional spaces frequencies on the moon that's now around earth are nice uh, ethereum type people that are not like that they're scientific but they're not like earth people going to the moon who want to take over the planets and you know star wars and stuff that's kind of not what's real on the other frequencies in fact as a kid i used to say that when i used to see the star wars movie the first time i was so confused by it I said, they're making like they just it's going on in our space all the time it's not what's going on out there so it's an earth version of a vision of what they would like probably to do because we in space know that the people on the planet would come out and they wanted to put guns and things on their rockets or ships or whatever they have and they want to blow up things or target things if they don't understand it mm. so in space we have made we have amazing um beams and different types of things we use but they're not to hurt anybody they're used to buffer things put push an asteroid out of the way maybe which has happened around our planet here to rescue the earth sometimes from disasters that could have happened uh sometimes a meteor seems to go take a right turn and go somewhere else that's what they do but they're not going to target a ship to blow it up to kill anyone although their raids could do things that are horrible like that but they don't do that that's not that's not how they think they would yeah. never hurt another so to to watch what's happening on this planet is disturbing to the beings and people i know in the high realms people they can't understand how people would hurt another and uh, they've well, never been born on a physical density like this maybe to understand that um a couple of years ago marks <laughs> heard from Ashtar. We, he doesn't try to talk to any anybody but his his own crew. So I don't channel. I don't do that. Channel. I don't I feel but souls was, should be doing but that. But he was working a good thing. on a, a cool book with a friend who died, uh, Tim Beckley, and uh, was yeah. on, um, I guess it was on the, uh, sort of on the commanders in space or something like that. Yeah, mostly, yeah some of Ashtar. So, and, so, so he asked him to, to write what he knew about Ashtar. Anyway, he was a real person just like us, but he's a dimensional Ethereum. So he spoke with him a few times, and uh, one of the things that Ashtar said was, um, "What's taking so long? We don't understand why the people of Earth are taking so long to um, wake up." Oh yeah, right. he was he was getting concerned. Oh, it ends up that's the picture that we didn't have with us right now because okay, someone the, took the it. One. Remember at that meeting we were all yeah, at? Yeah, I was going to say, somebody did you that someone took, took that photo from you? They took Ashtar and they <laughs> took Sananda. But it's okay. If they'd asked me, I would have given it to them. But not the ones I was using as my displayers. You know. So here's Ashtar. And it's not a good picture in this picture, but 
to give you an idea, I have a tan on his face, but it's not on this picture. So, um, oh, he, he, was, he, he said, you know, he, he was saying, I'm, I, I can't, we're having a trouble now. They've given us a lot of information. They put a lot of ships around, more so coming too, more ships are coming to get people to look up and think there's more to this. Now they're starting to reveal a few things in different countries, right? The last few years, they're letting some of the information out because they've been asked to by the higher crews. Just let the people know some of this is not what it is. You know, you guys are making it like they're all evil and dangerous. Most of the crews and beings out in space, I'll say all oh, space plus space people are, are generous, benevolent, kind beings. There's a very few of that negative type, but the majority is benevolence. So even the ones that they think are evil, like if they want to go, oh, reptilian, they're not all bad. There are some, but just like humans, there are some that are bad and some that are not. Yeah. But let's say a lot of them I've met in space out of body are um, very kind beings. This is uh, Don Leo. And he's a uh, works with Ashtar Intergalactic Command. And he uh, is a Raljarian race, star system near constellation Copernicus. Past a star they call Al Bali in the constellation of Aquarius. They, this being a species is like a, a mixture of a reptilian human-like. They range from six to eight feet tall. And he's in a mid to higher etheric frequencies within second, third, and fourth dimensions of the first plane. Wow, second, wow, third, wow. and fourth dimensional space of the first plane. That's where we are here, the first plane. Their lifespans around 800 Earth years. That's they always give us the Earth comparison of hot time because their time is different. Um, these beings can also have families on low etheric levels. Um, and they're so super benevolent and loving. And he is a commander. So this is Don Rio. Yeah, for those listening, I mean, it's almost, it looks kind of like Mr. Clean or uh, yeah. almost like a car test dummy with reptilian yes, eyes. Yes. Now, they don't need ears. They do have smaller ears, sort of, like ear effect. Ear. Yeah. But and what is that? What is going on kind. in the skull, like right through the top of the... What That's is that? that reptoid um, effect of, on their bone structure. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm jokingly not not like dinosaurs. We're thinking dinosaurs, but imagine yeah, right. a reptile. We also had a. Oh, I don't have them here. I have a saurian. The saurians are the ones that are more dinosaur-like. Um, the reptilian types that I've seen have skin patterns sometimes on their skin. I'm not showing that on Don Leo. His his pattern didn't they didn't have that pattern, but some have skin-like, kind of like iguana or something, I don't know, reptilian looking. Yeah. Others, the saurians um, have a little snout. Hmm. So if you see a reptilian type creature with a little snout, they're, they're more saurian. They're more like the most advanced of a dinosaur you can imagine. That's how intelligent they are. They're so smart. There's a story I saw, let <laughs> tell you this one. I, I read it was one of the true stories that happens to people who's a truck driver like two in the morning and he's driving on the highway with his big truck and um, he sees dead deer on the side of the road but being piled on. Hold on. Before, before you say that, the Saurians what? that you're oh. talking about are of a higher theory. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not a physical. No. Yeah. These are not physical people. They're higher theory and fr frequency. So the story you're telling now is now, a physical. Now, what I'm going to tell is a physical. Physical density. So what happened, he's driving away. He sees some deer stacked up on the side of the road. 
yeah. off the road. So he figures, oh, the highway people are <laughs> stacking deer. And he was like going along, going along. Then he comes to his exit. And as he's turning on the exit, it's the ramp that goes swirled down, right? He sees on the left side, like four stacked deer. And he's like, huh, okay. Now he's going, then he sees a glowing light off to the far right. He assumes it's like a gas station light or something over there, like a convenience store is in the, behind the trees off the road. And then he sees a tall guy on the bottom on his left on, on the side of the road as he's driving down slow because he's the big rig, right? So he's slowing it down to come down. And he knows the guy looks like he's in a, a military or an outfit, like some kind of jumpsuit, some kind of thing. So he's like, uh-oh, what's going on? So he rolls slowly up. Now he's looking at this guy and he doesn't look like a human. Hmm. Now his rig is high off the ground, right? The, when they climb up to get in there, this being, as he pulled closer, was up to his window where he could see. So that means seven and a half feet, maybe tall, maybe. Um, so as he's pulling up, it looks like a lizard, he said, and he was wearing a dark like dark outfit, a space suit thing or something. And as he went towards him, he, he had his window rolled up. But as he's coming now slowly, he's going to be eye to eye almost off the road here with this alien standing there. And when he looked at him, the being, he said, looked kind of like a dinosaur, but like a human at the same time. And it smiled at him and he, he smiled back <laughs> and then right. he didn't seem sinister, no evil feeling. He just smiled at him. And, and then he's going down with the rig, going to the road to get on the road on the bottom of the exit. And he looks to the right. It's a landed spaceship behind the trees. So he, as he got out of there, he was putting together that the lizard guy was stacking the deer to take for food. That was what he thought. Mm. That could have been a telepathic projection to him when, the, when he smiled because he noticed the things on the side of the road. So a lot of times that's what these beings are, they collect the roadkill or so. Well, he probably was or, also hunting them. Or did he beam them in some he way? He hunted them. With right, a few right. by the road, you know. So that's what he didn't get a feeling of fear or don't worry, I'm, I'm going to kill you now. None of that. And uh, so that's what I mean. Some of them are not evil. Some of them are here. They're he might this being might not even be in the Earth basis. He might be a being that came and get some Earth food to take to a mothership somewhere else. Earth hunting. <laughs> Earth hunting. <laughs> right. When, when I hear the stories or read these true stories of real accounts that these people are having, you can see that was a nice one if he had rolled the window down and said hi he probably would have said something but the thing is is he was playing it like okay i'm just gonna keep going now but they are good ones too out there and uh and, and they might look scary to people that's why sometimes they say we're not ready for you to see us yet sometimes they say that because they might not look friendly to us when we see them but they are nice beings but they might look scary to us too because we're not used mm. to seeing them and uh, there's another one that, um, this one here. Again, they, if you saw people like this. Oh, right, right. Scared, but this is another one that's a benevolent teacher and a female. Which, uh, which, which level of consciousness? Uh, she uh, works on the second, third, and fourth etheric dimensions. 
Now, look, there are claims of, uh, I mean, obviously there's Roswell that happened. Uh, I was even seeing people were saying they were passing around this video um, that is an interview with with a gray and supposedly uh, this was a legitimate video that we have. And there, you know, all those photos of is this an alien body? Oh, no, wait, this is real. This isn't Um, in your experience. And even I, I think this extends to. Uh, the paracas and these elongated skulls, and are they off-planet? In your experience, do you believe that there are extraterrestrial bodies that um, have maybe accidentally or deliberately found them found themselves in um, this earthly density for others yeah. to examine? Yeah, some of them. Um, I went out of body to area. Forget the area. To Hangar 18 and back in 1975 and six around that time. And I actually met through my friend Millie at the time. Um, I went to her house and there was a guy, a guy there and he talked with me and he was military. And he told me um, he and his friend were guards by those different um, hangars. So he was at a different hangar. And his other his friend was at hangar 18 and he's standing in front of the door and can't let anybody in unless they have certain kind of credentials whatever but he said one day this friend told him he couldn't he he saw he finally you're not supposed to look they're supposed to stand straight he told me and make eye contact with who's coming but you're not supposed to turn at all to turn so when these people came who might have been ambassadors or something they had the proper credentials to show and he was allowed to let them pass. I think he undoes the door in some way and then they go in, someone's on the other side of the door. But at that moment, he told his friend, the guy that I talked to, he said he, he was able to perfectly look as he turned back with the gun and he saw a spaceship in there. So that might sound like the Bob Lazar stuff, right? Right, that's what I was gonna say. He had, he had spaceships they were working on. So he said he saw a spaceship that looked like a typical flying saucer and it was not damaged. It would look like a spaceship sitting there. So he told the guy that I'd met. So I went out to visit out of body. So I went out to the hangar 18, but also I went down underground and I found there was rooms where there were these uh, freezer units that look similar to things they might show us today. They looked like oblong oval um, freezer beds or something and there was the dome effect like on them. cryogenics yeah they look like cryogenic yeah, right, right. that's what it looked like and i saw a few of them in different rows and i went over to a few now i'm out of body and i went over and i looked through and i saw some of the beings uh some of the beings do not they're not described the way that we see them they're talking about grays all the time uh the ones that i saw that were part of i learned i thought was part of the Roswell cruise that went with a couple of ships. So the ones that I saw matched descriptions from another person I knew who's on the other side again, but from England, uh, of um, small people, perfectly formed, probably four and a half feet at the most, maybe, human-like looking, not grays, had hair, um, and um, I understood from my friend who said he had heard or knew about this, 
They had teeth, more flat teeth. Uh, their lungs were of high capacity. They can climb Mount Everest and not have a problem. Hmm. They can go underwater and not have a problem, climb the mountain and not have a problem with their lung capacities, which were different than ours. They had uh, six fingers and six toes. Basically, basically these were males. And um, light-skinned, uh, kind of a human, human-looking. So they were not, they were semi-attractive-looking humans. That's what they said. They were dwarf, nice. So inside their body, they found that their nervous system wasn't like a earth nervous system, like a tree branch effect, but made a more spiral effect through the body. Uh, they looked like the food that they could eat would be something of a more vegetarian effect. So they had all flat teeth. Um, they didn't have any need of big food like we do. We eat like this. So they had found things in the ship that might have been food products as well that would look like a biscuit. But when they analyzed it, it was really high-powered nourishment so that if you they figured if they ate one of these or pieces of this, they would fill full and have total nourishment for their body beyond earth, beyond what we have here. So I'm wondering if they studied some of that and come up with some of these nutritional things to make and eat. That was what I learned back in the 70s. Yeah. Um, when I went out of body to see them, I saw the gray type looking people, but I saw those little people too, a couple of those people. So, you know, they dissected someone. Did you see any live ones? No. So you Not never saw them live? No, I was just looking for the I was looking for the hangers, and I wanted to go see if they had any bodies from Roswell or other places there. So they do have bodies, and in that time, they have humanoid bodies of people like six feet. So they do have some people that look like Earth people or something like a Venusia or something. They do have bodies that maybe came from crashed ships or something. That's why some of them I asked. Some of them I was so sad. I felt so sorry. I felt so bad because I understood the feeling of abandonment. If they crashed and they were alive and they felt, oh no, how am I going to get home now? And then they're captured. And I actually, when I woke up, I was crying because I felt that for the soul, their souls. But I asked about some of them and they actually said the other side that some of these beings knew this was a possibility that something could go wrong and that they were willing to sacrifice themselves for the earth people to understand who they are. So that was another thing. Mark Brinkeroff and Phyllis, part one. Part two gets uh, weirder. It always gets weirder, doesn't it? You know what's weird? The aliens are into the nutrients and the healthy food. But I swear, there is nothing on this planet that can possibly explain what the cheese is and craft products. I want to thank Rodney McGilvery for the theme music. I want to thank Zero Boy for the pre-theme music. And I want to thank you for listening. We have more coming this Thursday. Looking forward to it. Take care. Much love.